You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by Wandering Monster. It is Portland's online-facilitated tabletop RPG games for all ages, uh, for kids, families, everyone who ever wanted to play D&D, but either doesn't have the time or feels intimidated. Uh, Greg founded Wandering Monster with his 15 years of role-playing and theater experience. He is a fantastic DM. So basically how it works is you get a group of size, like four to six players, um, and you book your session. You buy your sessions like in four-week bundles. Each session is two hours long. Um, trust me, that's a lot of game time. That also includes, uh, you know, the uh, Greg and the DM, like, helping you build your character, helping you find it out, find your character's reasons, round them out, and, you know, create the best character that you might want to play. doesn't matter if you've played D&D thousands and thousands of times, or if you've never even picked up a die that has more than six sides on it, Wandering Monster will make sure that your online gaming experience is fantastic. And, you know, it looks like we might be, you know, locking in a little bit longer again, unfortunately. But fortunately, that doesn't mean that you have to stop playing D&D. It doesn't mean you can't start playing D&D. And Wandering Monster will help you do both. Find them online at wanderingmonster.com or wandering-monster.com with all the details it's also where you can book a session you can email greg and you know find out what works best for you they also can be set up for special sessions you don't have to buy like the four you know the four week chunk there if you want to have like a special event or something like that wandering monster will work with you um they just want to make sure that you have a good time playing D&D and they will help so please check them out wandering-monster.com and if you do book some time there uh, let them know that you heard about it thanks to Geek Into City Radio which we're starting right now One, two, three, four. It's been a long long week Why don't you spend some time with geeks So many issues a day into which we must delve We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back through 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're going to save the day. All right. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 609 of Geek in the City of Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I am one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashtani. How's it going, everyone? Good. Good. We're about to enter, you know, another three days of hell, but everything's fine. No, we're all fine here. Everything's fine. Uh, I'm, go- I'm going to travel internationally and, you know, COVID Delta cases are rising. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mexico is like... Totally cool with his vaccination rate and everything. They're at like 20%. Yeah. I I only recently learned that and I'm like, wow, I really wish I'd considered. I mean, that's the thing is like when I booked the trip, Delta was not really a concern. It was on the radar as a possible factor for concern. And I should have. Um, I should have been realistic about that element rather than, I mean, I'll just say, I'll be honest, all I really cared about was seeing my family and saying goodbye to my grandmother for the last time. 
which is perfectly understandable. Mm-hmm. And I still want to do those things. I just like hope it doesn't end up being uh, like the last straw in my immune system camel's back or something. Well, I mean, you're, you've got the vaccine. So statistically, even if you were to, you know, all, by all the powers forbid, like you can weather it. Right. No, I, that's true. But I don't know. I, I feel like I keep hearing mixed things about transmissibility, even if you are vaccinated in regards to Delta. Well, uh, transmission is still super easy with it. It's it's the yeah. effect it has on the people who are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the transmission hasn't changed. It's yeah. vaccinated people can still trans carry and transmit the virus. Yeah, we're all like low-grade typhoid Marys. Yeah, which is why even if when you're vaccinated, you should still wear masks. Like they, yep. everything that was said about, no, you should be fine. This will be fine. It's like, you're saying that because everyone wants you to say it. It doesn't mean it's true. Manju, are you really going to do this right now? She's really going to do this right now. Storm says, don't worry. My area of Texas has a vaccination rate of 13%. Yeah, Lordy. Yep. Oh man. Oh yeah, I've heard Norman, some not Norman, great that rate, about Texas. The, the, the place where you work's not gonna have any employees other than like you. It will be your dealership then. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been hearing great. some great stuff. That's exactly stuff. what he wants. I'm I heard sure. a, I heard an eighteen month old was in the hospital with COVID complications, and that's just terrifying. That's PG. That's Gross. just prime. Oh, that was good. That was good. Thank you, good Peter Cullen. Oh, thanks. Uh, the new Transformers show is really disappointing, by the way. I've heard. Yeah. I was super jazzed when I was like, oh, we're getting Beast Wars now. I'm like, oh, this isn't good at all. Aw. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, anyway... Everyone had a good weekend? I did. I did. I feel like I did a fat load of nothing, but I don't think that's entirely true. I remember I took a nap at one point on Saturday. Mm. You know what? That's a, yeah, look, we're both like, oh, yeah, naps. I feel like you two were way more active this weekend than I was. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Very active. Um, what did you do? Uh, so Saturday was uh, the Portland Pickles' Pickle Fest, which is not a festival of pickles. It's a beer festival at the, you know, the Pickles' uh, Walker Stadium. Yes. And uh, and like any beer fest, it is a myriad of different beer and <laughs> cider sellers, vendors, brewers, uh, all, you know, clustered together to to allow people to drink many different kinds of alcohol over a prolonged period of time outdoor in the sun. Uh, and it was, it was good. It was, it was good. Uh, like professionally, I found it to be very um, worthwhile. I got to do a lot of interacting, a lot of like practicing my job of like speaking to the products. And I also got to like meet and interact with people who are potential partners in the industry and also potential clients so that part was cool and i hung out with Aaron all day yeah we got to hang out all day she was my boss for once (laughs) i finally have the power what do you mean for once when is she not like officially (laughs) on paper okay that's what i meant how dare you 
<laughs> really? Uh, How dare I? <laughs> As if I am not speaking. It was the cool truth. though. I I always like. I actually do like uh, this. Is I've worked a couple of like beer festivals before, and I I always like it because I enjoy watching especially as some of the brewers are there pouring also, I always enjoy watching them start to like, usually about halfway, two thirds of the way through. They're not tired, but they're also no longer in, all right, let's do this mode. They're in the, ah, you go ahead, you know, assistant or person I brought, go ahead and pour. I'm going to go talk to the other brewers now and we're going to just talk trash or, or cook the, everything that every industry does, you know, and that's always kind of fun to be like the fly on the wall with those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other favorite is the it's the last hour or so of any beer festival and the, the young drinkers have arrived in full force they don't give a shit about what no I mean they're not getting hammered they want to but they, but don't they are really not going to go home with any tickets yeah that's unused. right they are, they are not going home with unused tickets they could have maybe tried your cider or beer once and been like, that's oh, not bad, but then they don't come back until they've got like five tickets left. And you're one of the few booths that haven't decided to just screw it and go home. Now they're like, well, I have ability to drink. So I shall be using all my tickets at your booth, please. I, I will see you every three minutes for another tiny plastic cup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they might as well ask which one has the highest ABV because I want to get crunked. As I want to. I want to get the most bang out of my tickets. I I want it, and that, you know they're okay. They're you know. That was usually the the fastest way to get side eye from me when I would tend bar at Guardian. It's like what the what's the highest you? ABV? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean I remember being that way. You know, my my earlier days kind of thing but now i'll like now i'm like i love like a really good stout or something sometimes i'll look at the abv and go oh no you know unless someone wants to split this with me i'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pass <laughs> except the dark you know, and then like, all bets yeah. are off well yeah sure that makes sense yeah so no, no pickles at all huh not a, not i a was a little disappointed they had yeah. some pickles there but they also only had one cashier at the concession stand, and the line went like twenty yards for a double header. For a double header, um, but I was hoping for, you know, like a deep fried pickle. You know, you put a stick on a pickle and then you batter it like a corn dog. That's mm-hmm. just delicious. You can get that at Pronto Pup, and it's wonderful. Mm. Um, I've seen ones where they hollow out a pickle. But then they put in like a like a thing of like cheese, like cheddar cheese in it. Then they batter it, and then they deep fry it. That's even more delicious. Oh, I don't know. Oh no, it's wonderful. It's like putting pickles on a grilled cheese sandwich. It's lovely. They didn't have any of that. I was very disappointed. Yeah. I was looking forward to multiple fried things on a stick. <laughs> we were like so a... hungry by the end of the the thing. We were, yeah. Did they not have food vendors? The lines were just so long. Yeah. Not it's not like, oh no, I can't wait in this line because I've got work to do kind of a thing. It was just like it's not worth it. It is not worth standing in this line for presumably ninety minutes. Yeah. For over, for, for overpriced hot dog or whatever. Yeah, or for like yeah, for like a kind of subpar burger and you know, 
It's like, nah. I mean, they had those great warm Bavarian pretzels that everyone loves because they're just those big chunks of salt and like the mustard. But I was like, I'm not waiting in line this long for like a pretzel. And I go, nah, I'll just go back to. Did they only have one food vendor? Yeah. It's the, far, it's, like, it's like, it's like their vendor. That's. How. Oh, apparently yeah. they weren't sure this pickle fest was going to happen this year. And when they realized they could, it was like, let's plan this in a week kind of thing. Seemingly, yeah. It was so very quick. Oh, I okay. You know. Well, I'm glad you guys had some fun at it. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. From a logistical event standpoint, I'm screaming at whoever thought this was a good idea. But oh, yeah. I'm well, here, I'm going yeah. to throw this part on. It's really going to drive you bonkers. So, like... Allegedly, if you had drink tickets, that meant on paper you were carted at the front gate to buy said drink tickets. There were no like bands that set that let you know if someone had been carted or not. Oh, sweet fancy Moses! So there were a couple of times I'm like, okay, they got drink tickets, but eh. if you needed, if you needed further proof that the OLCC has taken the past year and a half off. that's it the only thing that they've managed to do is still harangue bars into not being able to package their booze and sell them so they lose money yeah um there was one guy who offered his id and he was kind of hilarious he comes running up to the revnats booth like are literally holding his id out Oh yeah, like, and, like two tickets coming out as yeah, like, with like and like two away. tickets. He wanted to try one of each. He's like, I gotta get some. I gotta drink these quick before I before I umpire the next game. He was the ump for the next match in the next game. I was like, Table looks a little bit confused, like he doesn't understand. And I think that, like you know, it's it's worth noting that pickles baseball, like the league that they are in, from what I understand, is almost entirely, if not fully comprised of college baseball players in the off season. Yeah. And so they're it's, not, and like everyone who works for the pickles is apparently like appears to be college age. They have employees that are very, very young. I'm like, I'm talking like just like whispers of a mustache young <laughs> and yeah. the end, of course, and there's the interns, you know, they're 19 tops. Yeah. This lot, is, a lot of young people involved in, in this the, 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 the running of this stadium. Yeah. I I do appreciate that explanation. It does provide a little more context. That is still not why I'm making faces that I do. It's I'm back at none of this should have taken place 100%. It, it's yeah. It's this is the same kind of thing that's, oh, okay, Multnomah County is going to go back into mandatory face masks starting Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we can't. We cannot, as a collective monolithic group of people, humans, we cannot be trusted with and left to our own devices because we will choose the dumb thing every single time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it helped that it was all outside. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm glad it was outside. 
it's it still gets back to like so was Lollapalooza, and that should never have happened. Well, that's so, a different of outside than oh, what this our was, outside was. This was very small, actually. Sure. Yeah, it was an entire baseball park and, and surrounding areas that maybe had a hundred people total. That includes mm-hmm. the teams that have twenty on each side. Gotcha. <clears throat> we suddenly have a guest. Hey, we have our guest. I'm way too early. I just wanted to see if I could get it right. You, you did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You technology is correctly. Right. Well, just that's okay. Go. We were we were about to wrap our little banter anyway, right? I'm going to continue to banter. I'll enjoy my coffee with my cup. <laughs> is it really coffee? Uh, it is coffee. It's very delicious. It is really his cup. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. I don't. I'm not into merch. Really, but um, mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway, continue, please. I'll just, like I say, sit here and sit my cup. (laughs) Um. Uh, Well, I guess we should talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Well, we're uh, first off, we're going to have Steve Coker on to talk about his new board game. (laughs) Oh, that'll be great. Hey. Uh, so yeah, we'll have Steve on for a little bit, and then the three of us are going to give our thoughts on The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Mm, those three mm-hmm. letters are very important. They're the. very important, yes. Uh, yeah. They could have I mean, that's it. Like, that's other, not what the other that? Suicide Squad. Not the other Suicide Squad. No, not, not that one for well, sure. Sorry about the other. Cole's going to jump on here too. Okay. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that guy that walked into the conversation, you know, and like everybody's like, oh, I was, you walked in at the fine moment I was about to digress and to rah rah, humans are awful, rah rah rah, capitalism (laughs) is bad. Rah, rah, right. rah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anarchy, anarchy, anarchy. Yeah, people that are all about capitalism and, like, promoting. Mm. <laughs> I don't like those people. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I'm totally fine with it when it's artistic people. Yeah. Mm. It's almost as if I have my own double standards and, and am subject to my own hypocrisy. But it's like different. all other humans. But it's different uh, than yeah. when you are paying for something that you are support. The artist isn't trying to constantly make 5% over their production of last year at the expense of everything around them. Nope. No, they're just, they're just hoping they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, like, saying... you definitely argue that, like, once that element comes into play, once that becomes the priority, that's when the thing is dead. Yeah, Jesus. God forbid it ever becomes work. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Once something becomes work and there's a deadline, I think, Aaron, you can probably really relate to this, that suddenly the fun of it starts to fade because it's more about having to achieve something to just maintain living. Um. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Like, I like having deadlines on projects either of my own or work for higher gigs that I have. Um, having a hard stop date or a hard end date um, keeps me honest and disciplined in, in my work. You know? It's just um, you then. Oh, no. I, I meant specifically <laughs> the part where you're like, okay, you know, my art is great, but I need to sell 5% more of it than I did last year, every year. 
forever and ever until I die. Yeah, right. but that's how yeah. I took the phrasing of when it goes from being art to being work. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's when you're thinking about the the, the end profits mm-hmm. um, and not the what am I re- like? What am I trying to say with this? What am I trying to do with this? Because yeah. mm-hmm. that because then you just become Greg Horn. I didn't know we were going to name names, but okay. <laughs> oh, like like that's going to get me blacklisted anywhere. He doesn't even appear at his own conventions anymore. He just hires no, he... dudes in tight shirts to sell his artwork of traced over porn stars and even tighter shirts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even go here. He doesn't. No, I, he yeah, really it, doesn't. No. My new favorite foot thing. tall wall of... Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Greg Horn at a convention. No, I haven't either. I've just seen his dude bros. Yeah. It, and his is usually set up like opposite the hall to Greg Land's booth. So, yeah. Where they just have competing topless Harley Quinns with Deadpool covering her tits. Yay. Here's the thing. I don't think I'm ever going to work with either of them. Don't really want to. Don't really want. Yeah. So that, that one I don't mind. Just that's fine. Whatever. Everyone's like, God, Aaron's doing it again. Sorry, I it's refreshing. I was was responding to a text from my father who just chose this moment to go, Oh hey, uh when is um when's your niece's birthday? I'm like, oh that would be today, Dad. (laughs) Timing was impeccable. It's like I appreciate that he is consistent, like he's always been just off of uh, my sister and I's birthdays uh, for our entire lives, and, and now he's he's consistently doing that now with his uh, granddaughter. So it's like, good job. No favoritism. Hey, um, at <laughs> least he remembers yours. He does. <laughs> he's had longer to get used to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so did mine. <laughs> <laughs> Takes him about a week. If ever. I thought I was bad. No, oh. no, 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 no. I, I'm also in that same train. I remembered it's today. I still haven't shipped anything. That, well, that's just post, me. That's well, me. Like, just you, post-dated. <laughs> you ask me any, like any of my like close family people's birthdays and I can tell you when it is. Um, or at least close. But when the day actually comes, my brain has completely checked out on that information right. um usually around three four in the afternoon you're like what was today something's happening today did i have to get my car washed no that's not it what is and it in the, <laughs> and in the weeks preceding i'm like it's coming up here it comes i it's right over there and then it's here and it went and i'm like oh fuck i think did life you? does that it gives us chances to have curb your enthusiasm moments in our lives where we have to do ridiculous things to solve this, the most minute problem. I should start I, working on all my Christmas gifts for my family now. You could do what my mom does. She hides them so well so that none of our kids can... Mind you, my sister and I haven't lived in home for like well over like decades now. Right. My mom still hides gifts thinking we're going to go snooping when we visit. Which is why sometimes I'll get a Christmas gift around Easter. Because she, she forgot about it? Because she wrapped it and then forgot about it. 
<laughs> I've had one that was two years old once. Like I came home and there was a present on the table and I was like, what's this? She's like, oh, man, I got that for you for two years ago. Yeah. Where's it been? Well, you know, if you wouldn't snoop, I was like, mom, last time I snooped, I was six years old. Like I'm 19 now. Like, I'm coming home to visit. Like what? What? <laughs> So there's that. Just like never forgive you for your childhood sins. Oh no. Some, no. some parents don't. They, no. they just don't. I was raised by a biker hippie, so it's reversed. I have a lot of things I don't forgive her for. <laughs> 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 no, she's lovely now. Thirty-two years clean this year. Oh, oh wow, congrats. Yeah, that's fantastic. Pretty, pretty impressive. As he just sips coffee. <sighs> Yes, it's true. <laughs> I work in a bakery and I I forget to drink coffee all day long and then when I get home, I'm like, I need a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. That now. means your day starts super early, huh? Uh you know, sometimes it does, but uh I just got a promotion. So I'm now operations manager for all four bakeries. And that uh d- takes me a little later in the day because I've got to be able to see everybody in every shift. Mm-hmm. That was really boring. That's fine. <laughs> Congratulations though, on the promotion. Thank yeah. you. It actually highlights the fact that I I have I've never known what your day job is, Steve. Ah, well, yeah, I manage uh, Saint Honoré Bakery. If I may drop a name, Ooh. Uh, mm. French bakery, Oulala. Saint Saint Honoré Boulangerie, yes, that's right. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Or as I like to call it, baloney lingerie. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I always thought. It, I always thought it was Saint Honor, so I had that wrong. Oh, you're uh, probably right. I mean, I did take two whole years of yeah, French uh, twenty it, years ago. So honoré. So it's like kind of the kind of between the two honoré. Mm-hmm. Um, I got when I first got the job. My boss is this amazing Frenchman, and he. Uh, he said, Steve, I would like you to work with me to uh, develop a new process for uh, wholesale. And I said, develop? Oh, develop. God. <laughs> just, 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 just switch. He's, he's, a, he's a really cool guy. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, should we talk about why we're having you on? Yeah, let's do that. Cole can join us when he does. Yeah. So... Um... For those, I mean, for those who have been listening to the show for a long time, we've had Steve on before for his various stage productions. Uh, we have gone Such to many of his shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably our most infamous. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but this time you're you're going in another direction with one of your stage productions, one of your original stage productions. Yeah, and actually, it was originally written as a. Um, it was going to be. A, uh, a feature film and that you know how that works like I made a 10 minute short of what it was going to be it's in 2012 and it's kind of stood up to the test of time but nothing really kind of has uh, you know come from it other than um, the musical which is pretty important you know we did a cabaret version of it with our theater company and then we got a chance to do a a full-blown stage production, and we're going to do it again in 2022 at the Chapel Theater uh, with the new script and all of that. But in about August last year, I was bored. I got a 3D printer, and I started creating the characters from the story <laughs> into little miniatures. And uh, 
I, then I was like, I can make a game out of this. I've never in my life designed a game. I rarely ever played games. You know, I did D and D when I was a kid, of course, like everybody does, you know, um, it was kind of like the, the, when marijuana got legalized, all of a sudden everybody came out of the woodwork and they all smoked pot. Well, the same thing is true of Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, I've been playing for years. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, so I kind of had, you know, some game, you know, uh, love, but never really got into it. But then I decided I have this perfect intellectual property film noir horror musical comedy that I could turn into a game and use the little 3D printed figurines um as pieces um strangely uh, i don't think those are going to be included in the game when we actually go to print as <laughs> things change you know um but so we've been working on this since uh probably early september last year wow yeah yeah it's uh it's a really uh crazy process i really enjoy it um it's a lot of critical thinking a lot of disappointment, a lot of, you know, highs and lows in the process, you know, things that I really wanted to include from the film as canon for the game, which only would really only, you know, benefit people who knew the film or the script or any of that. Other than, you know, when you create a world, if you have a rich backstory, it comes through the writing, it comes through the work, mm-hmm. it comes through the, you know, the, the components of the game. It's all kind of there. So it's a rich world. It's like that first episode of, of uh, D Space Nine, it just seemed like a world already created. Anyway, I won't go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we like, and then also uh, Cole has joined us. He's the. Oh, has he? Yes, he's down there. I see him now. Hopefully, okay. you see him as well. Hi, everyone. Uh, hello, you're the primary game designer, right? The the nuts and bolts part. Uh, me? No, yes. no, no. Steve designed. Uh, Steve designed all the mechanics. Um, I'm just kind of uh, sort of a consultant to his mechanics oh, okay. uh, but yeah. i'm the primary game artist and uh art oh, director okay. for the game yeah oops all right i don't think yeah. he really wanted to necessarily help with the mechanics but i kept asking <laughs> cole, cole himself is uh is quite a designer as far as games and, and whatnot are concerned yeah. I, we get together uh once a week generally and play uh, a little bit of decks and then he'll introduce me to another game and then my brain will go i know what i can do with that and then I, uh, <laughs> right. I do a bastardized version of it and Cole corrects me. <laughs> nice. Well, before we kind of dive into the mechanics of the game, how about you actually give some folks, you know, some background of the setting and the world as it kind of then it, you know, as it applies to the tone of the game also. Okay. Um, so I set out when I wrote the script, I wanted to do a mashup. Um, the first idea I had was to do film noir uh, or do a zombie film that was very old school silent film. And then the gore would be super real, but we ended up uh, not doing that and going with this film noir horror kind of crossover where the creatures of Nightside, which is a hub world of other dimensions. So you have a werewolf zombie um, vampire, all these dimensions that intersect. Think of it as Casablanca in the film where all the different races and dimensions can come together to, to, uh, you know, buy, sell, trade, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but the vampires have decided to take over one of the human dimensions as they have depleted their natural resources. <laughs> so uh, they're coming to, for our fair city, which is a film noir style world and Dex Dixon and his crew are dedicated to stopping them from entering our dimension and uh, and enslaving us. 
So that's the basic world premise. And and that's the setting for the that you've created for the game and based right. on the the movie. Yes. Yeah, I would say that it's it's a little bit detached from the original property. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, and a lot of that has to do with my art style. It tends to be a little bit darker, a little bit more uh, horror comic focused. And I'm the a- inability to really get dick puns through to the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to know your audience, I guess, right? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> But no, it's true. Uh, actually, I mean, it was fun to kind of have somebody new take a crack at the art. And the mm-hmm. art, the, the first couple of uh, the first couple of things that Cole did were a little less cinematic than the ones that we kind of landed on. I would say, you know, just a few. Mm-hmm. But the direction was the right direction. And then, as we do to ourselves, Cole did this to himself. He started drawing better and better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, oh, you're going to re- need to redo these <laughs> until they were all the same uh, kind of concept, which I'm glad of because this is, I mean, this stuff's beautiful. I don't know if I can, let me see if I can. Well, yeah, I was going to ask if you could I'll pull hold something up the up. box, you know, if you can see that, um, you know, you got Dex a little thinner than the character that I played as Dex. <laughs> and then you have Horace, the vampire king over there, but uh, Cole sent me an email before he made me pay for this artwork and he said it's a masterpiece <laughs> and it was look it is a masterpiece it's a good looking box it is it's nice. a good looking yeah. box and it's full of amazing stuff inside I mean you know it's got I'll try and hold up a couple of things but Scott well, we you can know, say that we, we play car. tested it and the art is amazing cool yeah um, it, it really is uh, be- because I work at Guardian, uh, I've actually known Cole for a number of years and I'm already familiar with the fact that he does know his way around a game or two. Um, right. Since he, like, I think I saw you like there like at least once a week, twice a week playing games um, and have seen his art before. Um, and I commented to him when, when we had the play test that uh, this is probably the biggest evolution uh, in his art that I have seen. And this is uh, to date the best work that that I have seen him produce, and he was producing great art before, but this is this is next level shit. Yeah, I think something about the theme uh, and that world just really hit home with me. Um, just getting to draw a bunch of vampires and uh, detectives with special powers and like supernatural abilities and stuff was super cool. So <laughs> just kind of started to draw itself, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the fun things about that too is that, that you know is uh, as a designer, like some new idea will pop up. Like for instance, the fire tokens and the smoke tokens. Something that I just I came up with this idea for destro- destroying buildings, and then thought, oh, what about a, a fire for it's, it's being destroyed and the smoke for when it's been been destroyed? Cole just goes <laughs> and whips out this really cool icon for each of those. Like you know probably took him three or four minutes this guy's brilliant right so all of a sudden though i'm like well cole now we need three more cards for each deck of the of the game (laughs) (laughs) because we have this fire and smoke element and i was happy to see more artwork you know and it just happened not so long ago too where uh we realized the troll characters when they're playing characters a couple of trolls in the story um they don't really have the same ability of uh 
getting cards or achievements in order to help them. So then I'm like, well, I guess we need a troll deck. Yeah, we'll probably have seven or eight more decks in this game by the time we get to get to <laughs> How many more times can you draw from this well? Oh, uh, please. Oh, wells. <laughs> that's what you need are wells. You know, if yeah. there's a dead horse on the well. Be you need a well deck. <laughs> what you find that's in right. the well. <laughs> I think and we're kind of narrowed in down well. deck. Oh. What, what was that? Uh, oh yeah, lost in the someone world. had to say it, right? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, um, we we do have a question quickly from one of our oh, listeners. Yeah. Um, I guess this is Cole. What character class was did you find the hardest to draw? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the trolls. Uh, the mm. our most recent uh, iteration of the game. So, like Steve was saying, there's a, a new deck of cards that the, only the trolls get to use. Um, but so far in the game, and from what I've drawn, there hasn't been a lot of trolls. I only got to draw, like, two uh, that are main parts of the game, but they didn't have a lot of function after that. So, basically, he said, free reign, just do whatever you want for these, like, 20 cards. Um and so I got to basically develop what this troll race would kind of be like in this world of like uh, 1930s sort of like supernatural uh, CD underground sort of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I kind of made them like sorcerers a little bit, like uh, like sort of like conjuring magic in the shadows sort of thing. Underbridges. Um, yeah, <laughs> under bridges. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they've got like horns and big teeth coming out. You know, it's, I'm gonna hold these yeah. up to the camera and see if you guys can see those. This is just two of the cards. I mean, this just like nice. the menace of this card, and then the action that's in this one. Yeah. Just beautiful, beautiful work. So that was yeah, probably but don't that was probably the most fun so far. Um, I mean, everything's been really fun to draw. I don't know. The vampires are kind of more like uh, high, like high class, high council vampires. You know, like sitting in their castle at the edge of the city type of vampires. You know, right? <clears throat> not a like, not a lot of gangly Nosferatu style vampires. No, not really. They kind of hunt. We'll see. Like, we'll see you when can we see do them the... hunting in teams, sort of. You know, yeah. When we do the the vampire dimension uh, uh, expansion. We'll we'll see what they end up like. Maybe we'll have some Nosferatu's. I like how you're already thinking of expansions and stuff. You have to. I mean, that's oh, the yeah. thing that I'm learning is that, it, it, and it's the same with like writing screenplays or books. What's next? Like, there's always that question, right? So I'm, you know, I've been thinking about expansions since this. So we're probably, I would say, we're probably nine months to a year away from really getting to a Kickstarter uh, to really start producing the game. Okay. Um, and so during that time, I want to keep thinking about how can I, do, I mean, plus the, you know, you know, merchandise and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is part and parcel of modern game making is you, it's not just enough to have a successful Kickstarter and um, have your game like picked up by, by all those supporters on Kickstarter. It has to have replayability. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about expansions to a game, then that means you're already thinking about the long 
longevity of your game rather than just trying to get, we just want to make 25,000 copies and, and call it good. It's like, nah, man, like people are ordering hundreds, hundreds of thousands. <clears throat> and they, right. that property will like, there are so many game companies out there that will just go, Oh, we like that. Oh, they're already funded. They've got things planned. Cool. We're going to go ahead and write this check to you because we want to, uh, we want to share that and we want to start distributing it because that's, that's what you have to get into. You have to get carried by a major distributor in order to get the game out there. And that's what, that's what helps make a successful game. Right. It might also be the best slow play to getting a movie made that I've ever thought of. <laughs> you I know, because you can go movie to game, but you got to go game to this, to that, to this. You know, maybe eventually I would get a chance to make the film as well, you know. I, right. I'll, I just have to say that Gerard Way. I was just about to. Became an international rock and roll star so he could write comic books. Comic books. Yeah. 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 There are many paths yes. to enlightenment. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think that that's also David Dasmalkin's, um career path i could see that now yeah. i will add that this game is when you spoke about replayability one of the things that that cole was really instrumental in was kind of gearing me towards that the thought of that you know what is the replayability what is the accessibility um we decided to go with scenario based play so that there are let's say eight scenarios that will come with the game itself and that would be um you know, like your basic kill or be killed or your, you know, capture the flag or just different kind of goal-based games and open it up to the community of people who are playing the game to also uh, share their ideas for other scenarios that they could then post on a website that then would be shared with other people who were playing the game as well. And I think with something like that, plus the expansion of the other dimensional worlds with new boards and more cards and characters, I think it has the potential to... Um, to, you know, to be a long, long-standing, getting the table more often kind of a game. Right. I kind of think about Betrayal on the House on the Hill. I have played that game so many times. I've yet to have a scenario repeat. And then when they added, what was it, the Widow's Walk? Mm-hmm. Right. Added its own expansion plus more scenarios for the core game on its own. I mean, and like you said, yeah, there's also a lot of fan-driven stuff. I have the, I've got the old Wizards game, old, it's maybe a decade old if that, when Wizards during 4th edition was doing Castle Ravenloft, Dragon Mountain, um, Menzo Baranzon, the, you know, the, the big board games. Yeah. Um, you know, those only had five or six scenarios each, but you can go online now and people are still designing scenarios for them and how to integrate other elements huh. to them, so. Yeah. Yep, you give a bunch of nerds a bunch of little toys to play with and they're going to come up with stuff. Yeah, you give right. them a big enough, big enough sandbox, they're going to play. Yeah, and even are. just the prospect of popping out those damn tokens. I, I look forward to that. I got uh, I got a chair from below today, uh, Mr. Cole, for uh, nice. like twelve dollars uh, with some points I had on Amazon. And uh, I, as soon as I got home, I had to pee, but I I sat down and popped out the tokens. <laughs> so when you're designing a game, are you in designing the game and scenarios with an eye towards always being competitive? <laughs> player on player or is it also some scenarios that are co-op you know players versus board kind of thing like what's your approach to the storytelling on that 
Um, honestly, that's one element that we haven't built into this particular game. I did. Uh, I do want to do that with the Varsity Cheerleader Werewolves from Outer Space game that we're developing. Co-op. You're talking about co-op. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. completely co-op. co-op. Yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I mean, this is team based more than anything else um, at this point. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I think I was way down the, the rabbit hole before the idea of doing like an AI based version of it came up, but. That is also a possible expansion later with a card or a deck building kind of a thing or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. Nice. Yeah. I don't want to do just one game. You know, I mean, I want to, now that I've done it, I'm just kind of excited to do the next one while I'm still play testing this. But um, yeah, I, I even went out and started a, a, a company, Dexiverse Development, um, which I can use for both uh, games and film or whatever else I might be into. The theater. Oh, nice. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got to talk Colin to let me, uh, you know, publish a couple of his. <laughs> He's like, oh, wait and see if the Dex game goes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if I fit your brand. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, oh, Denise, we got that other question from Norm there, I think. Yeah, yeah. This is a good spot for it. Uh, do you guys, and it can be a different answer for each of you, but do you have a favorite mechanic? in terms of when you were developing all of the different gameplay rules? Uh, yeah, go, go first. Let me hear what yours is. I'm curious. Um, honestly, I like the card play in the game. Um, I like being able to gather my cards and keep them hidden. There's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of subterfuge. Yeah, we remember cards. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, I, I enjoy being able to say, no, you can't do that, or just have some really overpowered ability that I just pull out um, out of nowhere, you know? So that's, that's probably my favorite part. That's the weird part about being both designer and player. Like when stuff like that happens, I'm like, yes. And then it happens to me and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> 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 um, as far as the mechanics of the game go, I would agree with Paul. The, the card play is something that definitely from the very beginning I wanted to have. Um, there, for me, there's a couple of fun little things that I really love, um, like putting stuff into the game that, uh, connects to, um, the genre itself, like trying to name different things, uh, stuff that really fits the world. So I have a fence and a pawn mechanic that you can take cards that you don't really care about and you can, uh, if you're in your hand, you can fence it for the amount for half the amount of money it would cost to play it and get that into your power pool and get it out of your hand. Or you can pawn something you have in play, and that means that you have two rounds to pay back the, the uh, magic points that you got before you lose it. So fencing and pawning just was it's kind of one of my favorite little uh, additions. What's it called when you exhaust a card? Oh, that's right. Uh, you know, because there are certain uh, limitations to using the word tap to uh turn a card sideways uh i've decided to call it putting that card on ice <laughs> which is thematic it's it is thematic, thematic yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only that's the joy that's in, in replacing the the penis puns that's really what i have is <laughs> the, the clever the clever naming <laughs> we could do a, an unrated version later maybe I, and I, I, the one credit, because we mentioned we got to play the game a few nights ago. Um, first, it's a lot of fun. Um, even at this, even at that stage, like you guys know, there's always things can be worked out. But I, it took me about 20 minutes to really kind of get the hang of it. But then 
I was really kind of popping. And like Cole had mentioned, if you're familiar with any kind of deck building game, you'll have an innate understanding of some of those mechanics, board movement, stuff like yeah, you start to you start to pick up on stuff. And I think it's because last 20, 30 years, I think as like a nerd culture, we've gotten really adapt at various forms of gameplay. We're so beyond Monopoly and sorry and all that. Uh, especially if you're a, like a gamer, those things that might have been trickier years ago now kind of they click a lot faster now. Um, and it, it, it made me a better player too because like, I played Magic: The Gathering and just like was kicking ass. I'm like, what? I understand <clears throat> this better. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it also kind of allowed me to get into you know the character that I picked, and even though we were playing like a battle royale character, you know, battle royale style scenario. Like, I couldn't help it. I was, even at the maybe detriment of our side winning, uh, I found <laughs> myself in more character. I played the, I forgot the vampire character. The Lila, right? The Lila, yeah, the, yeah, the main lounge singer. Singing vampire, yeah. Yeah, and Denise's character stole my stole my chorus from me. They betrayed me. <laughs> your, your sidekicks, yep. Yeah, so they had to be punished. That's <laughs> at, at the detriment of my own team, I only wanted to just punish those three women for betraying me. Yeah, you had the you had the ability that where you could like persuade and take take control of somebody else's character, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just kept walking per- them through fire. I kept persuading yeah. them to go back into fire. That'll teach you to <laughs> turn your back on mama like that. I made you. I'll send you away. I love I love the trash talking nature of this game too because it is there are moments when some of the powers, as Cole said, were a little overpowering. You know, and sometimes you find yourself questioning, like, oh, should I really have three counters on that so it can do it three times? Or, you know, but then the fun of the fact that people can do that or use them in that way uh, makes me kind of want to keep it. Because it's all about the luck of the draw, right? I mean, you're, it's... Yeah. You know. Well, there's there's something we say in the industry that it's not broken if everything's broken. So... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, what were some of your favorite mechanics in the game? I mean, I'd love to hear what you guys thought, having never played it before and just stepping in. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in because it's it connects to something that we recently just discussed is uh, the the NPCs the the different yeah you know, the different ones that you can have and how they operate differently and then provide um, different benefits uh, or detriments. Um, and that's, I think that what we were talking earlier, Betrayal is a very relatable game to this, but that's not necessarily an element that you get in that game. So that's a, a unique addition mm. for you guys. And I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. One thing that's really cool about the, they're called mugs in the game, the NPCs that you can gain on your side, um, is that they're all available from the start of the game. You just have to go to a recruit spot or have a recruitability to be able to do it. Um, so unlike drawing blindly from the decks of cards on the board, uh, you can kind of formulate a strategy from the start of your game if you're familiar enough with those those mugs. Um, so that adds, I think that adds significantly to the replay value of the game because you can only have one at a time attached to your character. So uh, Unless the scenario says otherwise. I mean, you, right, you could right. create where you had two... Uh, two at a time just depends on what you want to create or the but that's basically like a special ability that you can curate for your character you know without having to draw it so yeah and we should i guess we should say too like your main character was called a boss 
and the boss has their own uh, ability card. And then they hire mugs to be their, their sidekicks. Like, so Billy Blackthorn, which is, uh, uh, Dex's uh, secretary in the, in the story. And she, she brings like really cool abilities, lower hit points, easy to kill, but has a lot of really good strengths. So the biggest learning curve of this game is learning the character's abilities, knowing what the cards do. You know, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's, I would say basically like learning Magic the Gathering when you're first sitting down to learn. You only really get good at it once you start realizing, oh, I can use this combo with that combo and that sort of thing. So there was a lot of, I'd like to say that that was the main reason that we came up with this mechanic instead of the fact that I had a 3D printer and Hero Forge and I just wanted to create all the characters in 3D. <laughs> Um, and the more I created, the more uh, I wanted to include them in the game. <laughs> so, um, but you know, sometimes that that's as valid of a discovery as anything else. You know? Oh yeah, no, I totally understand that. I don't at all spend sometimes hours a day just creating random characters on Hero Forge. Nope, <laughs> not at all. Well, that would be a waste of time. Absolutely. <laughs> and why would I buy the special things so I can look at them in color and create tokens? I would yeah, never do. No. That. I don't at all, when I'm even writing a comic book and should be working on a comic book, decide to go to Hero Forge and create miniatures of every character in the comic book. I don't obsessively write to Hero Forge and tell them they need different items and better women's clothing or (laughs) the ability to put a belt over the top of any item. Uh, I don't do that. No, that would be (laughs) foolish and childish. (laughs) True. Um, Cool, yeah. Uh, Cable, what about you? What what was your... uh... Well, I'm I'm a, you, know, you can say something you hated too. Just give me, give me something, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know that there was nothing that I hated. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, paper cut I got. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any paper cuts. The cards were good quality stock. That's true. They're and good card stock. They they had an edge, but not a sharp edge. So, like, there's there's no paper cuts from this. Um, I appreciate, um, I always like skirmish games that, and uh, I mentioned that someone was asking, it's like, so what exactly is this? It's like, it's a limited area skirmish game with characters that have specific powers and abilities, and then you augment them with uh, cards that you draw throughout the game. Um, Oh my God, I need to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like I work in a game store. (laughs) Quote Um, on the box right there. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime um, in a game store, <laughs> but I, I do like like I'm a fond of uh, or fond of uh, skirmish games that where you can uh, modify your powers and abilities for your characters with cards like this, and I really like the artifact cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it because they were very specifically hard to get, so it was a limited deck. And then when you uncovered what they were, those were fascinating things that they did to the game and to the game state and and to the players so i i really enjoyed that component of it. it's like oh that's that's messed up i like that but the one yeah. that i got that like you could play at any point that would then force a player to replay an entire turn that they just took so it <laughs> unraveled everything that they did oh yeah <laughs> and then they yeah. had to start over again and maybe it went differently that that time the card they... holder loves that card the card receiver does not uh-huh. <laughs> no no it was fine <laughs> <laughs> but then that got into what cole was talking about earlier where it's like oh that's really good no you don't 
Oh yeah, well no you don't. No you don't. No you don't. Damn it. <laughs> you had one more no you don't than I did. <laughs> you're almost you're almost like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I, I love it when things like that occur in in games like this uh, where it you do then actually see the random element of chance of like you have no idea how this is going to go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that that is what convinces like when you're playtesting with people, that's what's going to convince them that like, oh yeah, I can replay this over and over because I I'm not going to have this experience again. I'm going to have a right. completely different experience next right. time. And those kind of experiences really tell a story, you know. Like remember mm-hmm. that time that I made you turn back time and re- yep. turn <laughs> three times in a row. <laughs> and that's the gamers love to tell the stories oh, of yeah. the games that they just played. Yep. And they do. Yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> and nothing says fun and friendship like thwarting your friend's strategies for a night. Yes. What do you mean? It was a great time. <laughs> Making you walk through fire over and over again in, in a right. way that I never imagined movement would be used. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Denise, we still won. <laughs> yeah, you still won through random chance. I'm still, I, I yes. was really offended by you killing off my mugs. Well, don't steal them from me next time. They wasn't your fault. They should have known better. I was <laughs> recruiting, and they came along. It's like that's on that. Yeah. That's what. You, yeah, y'all needed to have a conversation. Well, that's why I, I didn't punish you. I punished them. Yes, I, I will is, take some responsibility for suggesting that uh, particular <laughs> pairing because uh, I was just thinking it would be a, a really nice one for you to have. I thought it was great. I didn't realize I was starting a vendetta. Nobody did. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it was, it was actually fun to watch uh, Aaron when you were playing because at first my my you know being the uh, being concerned about uh, whether the game is fun or not um, to other people, I was watching you and I can kind of I was kind of like I don't know that Aaron's actually enjoying this. And I know when we got there, you were in the middle of something on your phone, so I was kind of trying not to put. Too oh much yeah, I was money. dealing with yeah. But then once you started unleashing the flames of your hatred and anger. <laughs> Um, I was I was so excited to watch you play and to hear you do exactly what I was hoping people would yeah. do. Which would you be were like, he's not bored. He was plotting. He was plotting the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually went out to uh, Gungai Games uh, last Tuesday and played with a couple of people that uh, I think Cole, you had met them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they jumped in on the game, and there was a kid, maybe what, probably nineteen, twenty. He's pretty young. That kid got it, man. Immediately, he was like, bam, bam, and asking questions that were like, oh, shit. You know, I was so happy to watch somebody really just kind of get it, grasp it, and really play it. Yeah, he's like looking at his cards, and he's like, can I do that? Is that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> and a couple of things I never would have thought of either, which is always cool. I love that, actually. And then there's an argument at the table whether or not you can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that conversation right. that comes up from that in Magic Gathering, constantly arguing with each other about whether you could do this, this, or this, you know. That's yeah, but our, come, our, yeah. our rule book's only like 15 pages long, so. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it is pretty involved. I will say that is <laughs> the biggest hurdle to getting into it is, is that learning curve. I have put all of the components, cards, um, 
uh, and IDs on our website so that people before they play the game have an opportunity to kind of just go on and familiarize themselves with what those components are and kind of what the cards can do. I'm that kind of nerd that would go out and be like, hmm, hmm, and find right. the combos and try and, you know, come to the table ready with some strategy. Um, but we do encourage that and the sharing of ideas and all that. We want to, uh, you know, I think creating a, a game community uh, around the game and allowing them uh, to, I mean, of course, they're going to have to send them through us first before we post them because who knows what these crazy people might say. Um, but we would then repost their, uh, uh, you know, their ideas or their game variants. Sorry. Sorry. I said variants. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. We won't uh, reset you this time. <laughs> okay. For, yeah. Just hit that. There's like a 30 second delay you can hit. Um, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. So that, uh, I think I said everything I was going to say about that before I got distracted by my own stupid joke. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> Well, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. We gotta let you go here in a few minutes, but um, so ultimately, you're gonna crowdsource this one, right? For for final production and stuff. Yeah, looking at uh, the options and kind of reading and paying attention and listening to people on the you you know YouTube and stuff talk about it. It feels to me like uh, self um, publication is the way to go. And so we will definitely do a crowdsource uh, for that with a really cool uh, live action deck sticks and video that we'll write and film specifically for for promoting the game. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, and then you know try to uh, try to become one of those uh, amazing uh, Cinderella stories that you hear about. I mean, we we may not be you know fully uh, funded in kittens. twenty minutes, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> funded in seven minutes, forty billion dollars raised. <laughs> Um, you know, and also kind of slow. I mean, I'm the kind of person who wants to push, push. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. But it's not ready to do number one. Number two, uh, I'm hearing horror stories from people who are getting things manufactured in China and not being able to get them shipped to the U.S. A $2,500 shipping fee becoming a $20,000 shipping fee. Yeah. yeah. And there's no, <laughs> there's no real infrastructure in the United States to manufacture games. Uh, at the, you know, at the price point that we need to manufacture them at, uh, unfortunately, because I would love to make this an all American, uh, you know, uh, made thing, or at least Canadian, but uh, that actually could be a good opportunity for someone in North America of like, maybe what I do is create a game production company, like the actual physical production, a printing house. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I'm splitting the work between a a local, uh, um, I guess, Cole, I guess they would be what a, a prototype uh, manufacturing kind of focusing on mostly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a print shop that I work with that take, take beautiful care of me and they make these amazing cards for me um, and then forget to bill me and then remember to bill me and then forget to bill me. And I love that actually. <laughs> like, oh, I can pay that. Solid business structure. Over time. That yeah. sounds <laughs> very Portland. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love these guys. I, I, you know, I brought them a lot of business with theater companies and stuff. So I think that I think sometimes they just are nice to me. Um, maybe if they see this, they'll remember to bill me and I'll get a huge bill. But, uh, uh, but I'm just like, I'm thinking, oh, maybe there, maybe that is the thing. Maybe it is talking to, uh, I mean, if a printer was smart enough, they could see the potential of something like this they, and they could, uh, you know, do it. I wish I had the, the money to do it because I think it would be brilliant you know to have that kind of a company think about all the tokens i could punch (laughs) 
You just got to do it before Asthma Day does it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. Oh. No, Asthma Day will wait for someone else to do it oh, yeah. and then, and buy, then them. buy them. And then buy them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, Hi, Asthma can I, Day. Can I share our website with uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll put a link on it in the show and everything, too. Perfect. Yeah. It's dexiversedevelopment.com. And it'll take you to our game development company, and that is where all the deck sticks and information is. That's the first. There we go. Stay That's tuned all. for um, Cole. You have to talk. Oh, sorry. It, <laughs> when, you, when you hold it up, talk. Then you can see it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Here's the logo for the board game. Awesome. <laughs> nice there you go uh yeah and uh feel free to message us and ask questions and uh, pay attention to us on facebook we also have a deck sticks in the board game uh facebook page and uh, instagram which i need to get uh get cracking on more uh more uh, often but uh yeah love to love to hear from people um we're going to do some more game testing around the city um i was going to say as things open up but hopefully um uh, you know, we'll see a, a swing the different direction coming up and we'll get back out there. Here's hoping. Right. Here's yes. hoping. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I hope that you'll come back and talk to us when this is ready to go to Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And sure. we'd love to. And when, so, the, when the show comes up in, uh, in uh, March, April of uh, 2022, when we do the show again, make sure people get out there. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there again for sure. Yes. Yay. Thanks well, for Steve having Cole, us, guys. Yeah. yeah, thanks for popping on. We had a lot of thanks. fun playing the game also. I can't wait to try out some more. Awesome. Great. Thanks for having us on. <laughs> All right, man. You guys take right. care. Bye. 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 Good times. Sweet. Yeah. And then thanks he's for... gone. Oh, yeah. it's fine. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm just like, can't stop yawning for some reason. You know, just getting rid of the video doesn't help because you still made the yawning sound so now I have to yawn. <laughs> I do Damn. appreciate Damn. that uh, you got the link up, Denise, in the uh, Facebook oh, chat. Oh, did you get it? Oh, I had it ready yeah. to go, but I wasn't sure uh, if we could share it, and Steve never saw my message uh, asking if we could. So, um, but I just I still had it on my clipboard, and as soon as he said it out loud, I'm like, oh, that means yes. Here we go. Yay! Ready. Nice. All right. So I've got that good here too. You're well, a professional. Yes, she is. Well, I mean, if I was that professional, I would have thought to ask ahead of time and we could have had that up and running you, earlier you, in the show. You did That's right. ask ahead of time. You just said you didn't. You during, yeah, he just didn't. I, I uh, asked him during our, our feed our, today. Our, our, so our, I, he never saw it, uh, I assume. Gotcha. Um, I will say, uh, so my favorite, um, like in games, my favorite are, are cooperative games, mm-hmm. uh, as far as, uh, mechanics and themes are definitely horror. Um, my second favorite mechanic in games happens to be skirmish. Like I, I have, an affinity for skirmish games that I, or not an affinity, but uh, um, I just fancy them in a way that I can't explain why. Um, It's probably because they're the closest thing to uh, miniature games, like Warhammer, 
um, mm-hmm. where those are skirmish games, but those are long and involved. Like Star Trek Attack Wing is in a skirmish game at its mm-hmm. core, but it still can take a while. And and it's only that. Yes. But right. when you get into board games that have that, um, there's a bunch of them that are out there that I that I enjoy. Like, hell, um, Funko makes a skirmish game. Funkoverse? I've heard it, of it. Yeah, it's it's smaller Funko Pops are your board game pieces, but it's at its core, it's a, um, a board miniature game. Um, Curse Master Arena. The big one right now is Unmatched by Mondo, which is a reskin of uh, the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars skirmish game from the early aughts. Oh, right. Yeah, I have one of them. I forgot which one. I bought it right from Mondo. It was one of their Mondo, like the website only exclusives. Did you get Cobble and Fog? Is that Dracula versus Jack the Ripper? It is. That's the one I have, yeah. Yeah. Cobble and Fog was the one that I went, oh, I might have to buy this. And then they came out with the goddamn Buffy the Vampire Slayer one. Right. Like the the first one was all um, copyright free characters. Sinbad, um, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. I forget what the other one is, but you know, you could all have them fight. And then there's one that's Beowulf versus Little Red Riding Hood. And they can be combined with other versions too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you can have you can have Little Red Riding Hood fight Dracula. And they're all fictional characters except for one, and that is Bruce Lee. That's that's the first one I remember seeing was like Bruce Lee versus I forgot who the versus was. There is no versus. It's just Bruce Lee is a standalone that you can oh, okay. play in any of them. Um uh the next one unmatched that's coming out is um, Marvel based. There's going to be a Hell's Kitchen one with Daredevil, Punisher, those guys. So that's going to be fun. But anyway, that's again one of the things that I like about Dex Dixon is it is that type of skirmish game. Like they, they, I just automatically kind of more interested in it because it's a, a small small area skirmish game. Yeah. I think, I think the uh, the the scenario element is what does it for me. Mm-hmm. In, ter- in terms of like, um, I I see that and I'm like, oh, that means it's going to be different every time. Right. And it allows you to get people into it because inevitably, whenever someone says there are eight scenarios to this game, it's like cool. One of them only takes an hour, and you can teach a ten year old how to play it. Right, because that's that's what you do when you have that many scenarios. Hmm. Is you create uh, one that's like here is how you get, here's how you learn how to play the game, so you get the basic mechanics out, and this is how you teach it to other people. Right, like the like the training part of any video game. Right. Like, oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's it's a side quest, or it's 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 a, it's a mission, but really, it's just walking you through the mechanics. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'll have to break out curse master arena for the two of you and show you what it's a really fun and well put together and gorgeous looking skirmish game but the rules are way too complex (laughs) in that you have to play through about eight tutorials to get the basics of the game that's too much yes it is too much 
I like the concept of where they were going with it, but I'm like, no, I like I'm I'm on tutorial three and I'm ready to just go. Mm, fuck it. That's a yeah, lot. that's that's a lot. Yeah. So, well, I think Dick's. I think their their game is uh, are learning from other games' mistakes and are, is well on its way to being something that uh, people will enjoy having on their game shelf. I definitely, I yeah, I definitely believe that too. Before we dive into our thoughts on the Suicide Squad, this is a perfect time to talk about our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. If you're curious about, uh, if you actually, if you're curious about the Suicide Squad, which we are about to review, you should definitely get yourself to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. You can find um, pretty much every version of this team that has ever existed. Hopefully, if DC is smart, they have reprinted stuff going all the way back to the 80s. Which, uh, for those that are uh, are curious or whatever, the character of Oracle, uh, Barbara Gordon, first debuted in the Suicide Squad. Uh, she did not debut in Batman or uh, Detective Comics. She debuted in Suicide Squad going by the name of Oracle. So, there you go. A little bit of nerd trivia there for you. But, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed the movie or if you're curious about more, get yourself to Bridge City Comics. Find all the different versions of Suicide Squad. Maybe while you're there, also pick up Secret Six. That's a good little companion piece too, especially for folks who end up falling in love with King Shark. Uh, check out <laughs> check out Secret Six. Anyway, it doesn't matter though. Whatever comics you're into, superhero, horror, detective, romance, comedy, historical, it doesn't matter. Bridge City Comics will have them. So check them out at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, Bridge City Comics. And when you are there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Guardian Games is your one stop for all gaming needs, but not just gaming needs. You know, it, it, again, we might be, we might be indoors a little bit while again here, uh, especially with the heat also. You, if you can avoid going outside, do that. And a good way to kind of pass the time and stay chill is, uh, once you, you know, once you build a puzzle. I know it seems uh, puzzles. What is this? 1925? I don't know. I don't know why I use that voice either. But puzzles are actually very relaxing to many people to kind of kick back, let your mind wander while you put the pieces together. Guardian Games has a fantastic selection of, of puzzles there for you to enjoy. If you're a modeler, they have a tiny section selection of like Gundam models. Uh, I learned a few weeks ago that our own uh, Beanerita at one time went through a Gundam phase. So, you know, maybe you could reignite your old passion for Gundam. They have all the models and the paints you need. So what I'm saying is it's not just games. It's not just card games or dice games or role-playing games or, or board games. Uh, they have all manner of ways to uh, pass the nerd time with puzzles and some Gundam models. Or even if you don't play miniature games, like I don't play miniature games, and I haven't been using miniatures a whole lot in D&D recently, more theater of the mind, I still enjoy painting minis. Like I make little dioramas, and it's just a nice little thing to do. It's a good hobby to have. Gardening games will help you out. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And then one last shout out to Revnat of Revnat's Hard Cider, uh, who hook, who, uh, continues to hook us up with equipment. So the, so, so, so the show sounds great while we record from our respective homes, basements, home offices, what have you. Uh, Revnat has keeping everyone, is, is keeping everyone well lubricated as we, uh, as we live through the masked up time. So big thanks to Revnats and Revnats Hard Cider. Let's get back to the show. 
Well, pivoting into stuff people should enjoy. Mm-hmm. Should yeah. we give our quicks? Let's try and do spoiler-free. The movie yeah. is still relatively oh, new. Yeah. Spoiler-free review of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I think we should do a spoiler-filled one like in two, three weeks. Yeah, we just yeah. gush on it. Yeah. yeah. Give us time For to sure. watch it again, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so there's no the move the trailers have actually shown the plot really well so there's no reason for us i think us need to even break down what happens the trailer actually tells you exactly what happens to an extent to an extent to an extent they they go to this you know they go to dc's classic south american country that has been around for like eight 60 years cordo maltese mm -hmm. that is that is dc's um yeah, yeah the Portal Maltese. Imaginary. It's 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 mentioned in like Batman eighty nine. Like it's always it's been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, so every time I hear it, I go Portal Maltese. Portal Maltese. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is only tangentially connected to the first Suicide Squad movie in that Harley Quinn and Flag are in it, and um, and Boomerang, uh, and, and Waller, and Waller. Let's say and Waller. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I did not remember that Flag was in the other one. Is he's he very is different? He a hand, is he a handler kind of person in that as well? Yeah, he, yeah, he's a dick in the first one. He's very like bro army mm. special forces kind of guy. He's this one, he's, type. Yeah, he's way more late. He feels more like Colonel Flag or Rick Flag from the comics in this movie. Mm. Colonel Flag's a whole other character. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh man, is he ever? Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, like I, I loved this movie. Like so we got fun. together with Matthew, uh, Merrick and I got together with Matthew on Sunday and watched it, and we just were laughing ourselves silly. It is uh, a lot of fun. It is, and it remains fun even though it like it's a James Gunn film. Like it's going to take you through some highs and lows, feeling wise. You're going to laugh and you're going to cry, and you, there are going to be times where you don't know which to do, so you do both. Yeah, Never. and this is not—it's not the James Gunn of the last like six years. I mean, it is, especially with his not like his beats and his heart, like the way he just can like spin that story. But there was a—you felt his trauma roots in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, his, yeah, he kind of went back to the well of like, I did Tromeo and Juliet. I'm going to remind people of just what I can do, where I have fun, <laughs> you know? I, I read a Variety interview uh, with Gunn uh, yesterday. Um, and I think, like, he's said it himself and other people have said it to him that it's like, this is his, to date, it's his best work. I can um, see that for sure. My, yeah, he, he feels just create. He feels that way. He says he said it. It is the most fun that he has made. Or most fun that he's had making a movie ever. Mm -hmm. And people that have watched it are like, no, yeah, that comes across on screen. It's like this is one hundred percent. You can feel. Not only do you see the performances of the actors and the things that they're they're really putting out there, but you get the timing of you get the writing and you get the director's hand of the movie. So you can feel all the creative parts of this from all the different creatives that were involved. Yeah. 
But well, Steve's now in the chat. He mentioned it's a lot like Super or Slither in terms of some of its beats. But Super is. Uh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you haven't seen Slither, go find Slither. It's messed up and great. It's always fun to see what Gun does with almost no budget. You oh know? yeah. You know. Um. I'm Bill Party. <laughs> um. That was a punchline yeah, for a year after I saw that movie. Just, I'm Bill Burr. I, I like this movie in that, and this may come across me sound like a grumpy old comic fan, and it's not its intention. This felt like an 80s Suicide Squad comic. Mm-hmm. This felt like this could have come out of John Ostrander, you know, and, you know, some more modern stuff, but that's, this felt like the intention of the comic was back in the day. And, you know, Spoilers, everyone has said, like, don't go, don't get attached to any character in this movie. It's, it's called the Suicide Squad for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why DC created the comic. They're like, we have all of these horrible C, D, and E list villains. <laughs> hey, who wants to have fun killing them off on high advent, you know, in like weird ass adventures? And they're all like, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Which is how you end up with characters like Ratcatcher 2 or back in the comics, you know, Icicle 3 or, you know, Coldmaster 4, you know, because, you know, one of them gets whacked and someone else says, I am now the Icicle or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it has a lot of heart that I should have expected because it's James Gunn. But what I really also appreciated is that they didn't feel a need to do a flashback with every character you didn't already know. Like you got some exposition with them, but it was weaved into the story. Even if it was a flashback. More, more over than that. um, I think one of the, one of the worst things about the first suicide squad film is that the first third of the movie are, it's just like a bunch of cutscenes, like doing cool intros for each character, mm-hmm. um, even though many of those characters die almost immediately when the story really starts taking place. And not only is that poor use of your time, but it it, it is a very clear indicator that you didn't have that much story to begin with and you needed to pad it out with a bunch of other bullshit that meant nothing, ultimately. Uh, and- well, I am completely critical of the first Suicide Squad as well. It should be noted that David Ayer, who directed the first Suicide Squad, the movie that came out, he has publicly stated, it's like, while I am never going to air the dirty laundry that went on between me and Warner Brothers, he's like, I'm Mm. never telling my side of the story. That's not my movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, yes. Nothing that, is that made it to screen is anything the way he intended it. Right. And uh, part of the interview with Gunn is he, uh, Gunn mentioned that he and Ayer did sit down uh, a couple of years ago and have a long conversation about what happened. And so, like, Gunn knows everything. Right. Ooh. And he's like i so he's like i'm i'm not i'm not here to shit on david's movie i'm not here to shit on warner brothers for making it it's like i can tell you that the support that i had making this movie and was 
completely non-existent when David made his. So yeah. that's one of the major changes. Because hmm. like what you're talking about being, they they do a lot of the same thing, but in the original Suicide Squad, they kept trying to play everything so seriously when it's like, no, man, this is part of the joke. The joke is you introduce all of these characters and the punchline is you kill 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, and that's what that's what the first movie just did not get right at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I, I have heard rumors that in the original Ayers cut, Deadshot doesn't survive. Mm. Which kind of fits if you actually know Deadshot as a character from the comics. He doesn't want to live. He kind of yeah. hates himself. He keeps hoping one of these missions will be his last. But he's so fucking good, he always survives. So that was <laughs> a rumor I heard is that Deadshot was not meant to survive the David Ayer Suicide Squad. Um, and yet now, now we have the, the reason Idris Elba was originally brought in was to be the new, to, to replace Will Smith. And right. in the course of bringing him in, they're like, no, we're not going to do, it's like, we're going to make a new character for Idris to play because we don't want to do Will Smith dirty and we might want to bring him back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Um, essentially they've made it so that Will Smith's Deadpool can come back if Will Smith wants to. Yeah. And I actually liked his Deadpool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But to the, the gun version, I will say that like there were some characters I kind of assumed had story immunity, you know, I, Harvey's got story immunity. They're not. They're not getting rid of her. Um, Margot, yeah, Margot Robbie is has got like a three more picture deal. I, I think Harley she's Quinn. one of the best things to ever happen to the the DC cinematic universe. Like not Harley, like Margot Robbie. Like, yeah, because she's <laughs> what Warner Brothers hasn't figured out is she's the equivalent. Her equivalent in the Marvel cinematic universe is Robert Downey Jr. And Tony Stark. I could see that. Yeah, I can't find fault in that at all. She she is the, like if you want a successful DC universe on screen, get behind her, and yeah. she will help shepherd that. Well, and it uh, seems like they it seems like they are they uh, Birds of Prey and the new Suicide Squad. Like I've seen interviews where she, you know she talked about like things that made her uncomfortable. In the first in the first film, and how those elements were not present in subsequent films that right. include Harley. That that does remind me of something I kind of want to bring up, without going in too far into rant or tangent territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love James Gunn. I love the vision he's created for the Suicide Squad, the visual storytelling style, the almost shifting of a even the color palette of the DC. Uh, EU, whatever they want to call it, whatever they want to call it, you know. Um, that's all because of Kathy Yan and Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, the foundation that you love about the Suicide Squad, the color palette, the different approach of storytelling. I, yes, I think Gunn would have gotten there because that's his style, but the person who laid the groundwork was Kathy Yan on Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Like, because the, they both do the same thing. Birds of Prey has completely bonkers, nonlinear story. So does Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad does the same weird, you know, jump back two weeks ago. Blah, blah, blah. 
people got mad at that storytelling element in Birds of Prey, which I never understood because Birds of Prey is being told by Harley Quinn and she is a completely unreliable narrator. That's the point of her. Um, But I do love the fact that like when Gunn took over in the Suicide Squad, Harley is still seeing animated birds because she's completely disconnected from reality. That's Harley. She's not all there the way she sees the world. And a lot of that a lot of that lays at the hands of Kathy Ann and the writers on, on Birds of Prey. Like they should be given, everyone likes to bash on Birds of Prey, which I don't get. I fucking love that movie a lot. It's a blast. There are times it makes no sense, but it's so much fun. Um, that visual style <laughs> allows the Suicide Squad to happen. Yes. It makes the visual style not completely out of left field. It feels like a cohesive world. And, you know, the previous movie kind of set the groundwork for it. Mm-hmm. We, the other movies of the DCEU forced this uh, look and style on costuming to the degree that it's like, yeah, okay, now they all look alike. Whereas none none of Birds of Prey had very stylistic costumes. They all had very distinct fashion, Mm -hmm. but there was no superhero costume in that movie. Right. And then you get to the Suicide Squad where it's like, you have Polka Dot Man, who looks like he walked off the goddamn page. God, and that guy's just a... That That shit looks like it's made out of felt. So, like, I, Mom I think made that's it. great. <laughs> that's right. Um, I do want to, like, I brought up David S. Malkian during uh, the Dex Dixon thing. Um, yeah. He plays Polka Dot Man. Uh, he's also in Ant-Man. He's coming up. He's playing Piper DeReeves in Dune. Yeah. The Mentat Assassin. I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't realize he was in this. Yeah. And was, he, was he the Penguin in Gotham? No, that was... Um, or was that... Robin Lloyd Taylor. Okay, all right, sorry. Uh, Davis Malkian was on on TV in the DC Universe. He's Abracadabra on the Flash. Um, I highly recommend that it for you comic reading folk go pick up his Count Crowley from Dark Horse Comics. It is drawn by Lucas Kettner, who we've talked. I think he's been on the show before. Years, years ago, ago. Uh, when like Witch Doctor issue one dropped, we had both he we had Lucas and um, uh, Brandon on. We had him back on when uh, Killed the Minotaur came out. From yes, Image. Um, That's right, because he was doing a show right at your gallery. Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, but Lucas is the reason I picked up Count Crowley. So I'm like, oh well, it's a horror book drawn by Lucas, like. Uh, uh, I love supporting Lucas and then I started reading it and I'm like, Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. This is exactly what, you know, if you watch horror as a kid, you want. And then I'm like, Davis, David Daltzamaki. And who is this guy? And I'm like, Oh wait, he's in a bunch of movies and TV shows. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> that That's why I'm convinced he did the same thing that uh, Gerard Way did. It's oh, like, I, I want to write I became comic an books. actor so I can write comics. <laughs> so I can get famous enough to write comics. Yeah. Um, okay. 
the other person who just stood out, I mean, the cast is great. Like everyone is, even characters who are only on screen for maybe five minutes, they still do their best to really every, stand out. Every single actor in this movie understood the script, understood what they were playing, and they brought their A game. Yeah. Every single actor in this movie. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I, I think Steven yeah. Stallone, uh, sorry, Sylvester Stallone was probably the scene stealer as King Shark. Uh, yeah. Just like, I, I, know, I did not expect much from that character. Uh, I mean, like, to be, like, to be clear, the most experience I have with King Shark is on The Flash, and that's a very different vibe. Mm-hmm. But, oh my god, that character just killed me every time. Uh... I'll give credit where it's due. Uh, I think that version of King Shark is Gail Simone's version of King Shark mm-hmm. from The Secret Six. I, I did. Uh, I, I was given that uh, background. I'm like, I don't care where he got it from. It's hilarious. Yeah, no, that's very much her. <laughs> like, I'm a he, shark. I'm a he shark. Does a, he does a lot with very little, you know, because of the mm. limited vocabulary. And it's you can't really emote <laughs> as a as a shark man. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, the, the person I didn't expect to tug at my heartstrings was uh, Daniela Melichior as uh, Ratcatcher 2. Uh, I'm going to be paying attention to what work she does in the future. Yeah, same, same here. She was, she really, was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the, the most telling thing that I noticed, but I appreciated the fact that over the weekend, I didn't see spoiler one on Facebook or Twitter, which yeah, is amazing. The thing that I saw that I took note of is that um, everyone who was talking about it kept talking about the talking about the fact that uh, this actor was great or this actor was great and this actor was great. None of those actors that they were ever talking about were Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, or John Cena. Who are I'm all like, great, by the way. I'm like, oh, okay. That means they were already doing the job that everyone expected them to do. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're free and clear to talk about everybody else. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, no, they were fine. They they were their characters. Mm-hmm. Who else were they going to be? Idris yeah. Elba is Idris Elba. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and that goes back to your comment uh, earlier, Aaron, about um, the different characters with their backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how well that was done. Uh, I just like I just appreciated it so much more than like weird, you know, cinematic stylized introductions as a way to be introduced to the character more deeply and in more relatable ways. Mm-hmm. Her, her um, being a real a particularly touching one. It was wonderful as always. Waller's terrifying, as she <laughs> always always is. Mm-hmm. She's the she's the wall. Um. Yeah, even the, I mean, we all see it in the trailer. Fucking Gun actually had me feeling bad for Starro the Conqueror at one moment, where I was like, "Oh, who's never been who's never been portrayed portrayed as sympathetic in the comics? Like never once, because it's he named Starro the Conqueror." <laughs> but he didn't ask to be here. Oh mm-hmm. my god, that I was happy wandering the stars. I'm like, what the <laughs> shit, Gun? You asshole. Uh, that's maybe a little spoiler, but you know, it, the fact that Starro is in it is not a spoiler. Like that no, was no. in an early trailer. Um, I had a moment when 
the first time starfish faced people stood up, <laughs> I'm like, that's actually as scary as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I remember thinking in the comic, like, when I would watch it, I'm like, it's kind of goofy, but I think in the right way, like, that would be really just because it's a starfish and they're dumb. It was mm-hmm. a, but it was a very, very good interpretation or, or representation of hive mind. Oh no, yeah. no, it's creepy. It's very, very well done. In the comics, it was always, oh, that's that's like that's a creepy visual. But I, I can't see how that would actually work in live action. Like, yeah, people with starfish on their faces, it's not going to be scary. I, I had that moment where like, nope. That's genuinely creepy. That's Especially because running zombie see, creepy. Yeah, we <laughs> see like in the comic, you kind of just see the eye and the, like here, but in the Suicide Squad, there's some like Giger vibes on the other side of it as it mm-hmm. attaches. And you're like, nope, 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 nope. Oh yeah, and 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 sorrow is like made for for death. His like armpit opens up to release. Oh, that was not. I was not a fan of that, which means that, it, was, it was, did exactly what it was supposed to do. There mm-hmm. was one, there was like one other weird thing that his body did, and now I'm going to forget what it was. It's fine. People will watch it, and <laughs> in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about it more and just really yeah. go into it. But I, I think ultimately it comes down to go watch the Suicide Squad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, watch it at home, watch it in the theater, whatever you're comfortable with. Be smart, you know, yeah. but, but watch it. It's meant I will, to be seen. I will admit I did go to the theater for this one, but even right now, like theaters aren't super packed. But I did go to see it in the D box at Clack, the one where the chip. Remember Cable when I saw D box the first time in Avengers Endgame and I felt ripped off because except for the last ten minutes, nothing happens. It's exciting in Endgame in terms of like <laughs> the mm-hmm. chair moving. Yeah, that was not the same case with the Suicide Squad. Oh, even because yeah. you know how they would do the camera movements, like the circle, the chairs go. With the camera movement. It was kind of great. That's kind of tempting. The one movie that I've seen in the D-Box was Star Trek Beyond. And it was worth it. Nice. You know, every movement of the Enterprise. I'm not super pumped for it, but if they have offered Top Gun Maverick in D-Box, I might do it. Because I feel like then you're in the Afterburner game. Yeah. 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 I just hate the name. I'm gonna see a movie in the D box. Like, come on. Guys. Yeah, it's a it's a dumb name. Yeah, and they're uncomfortable chairs, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not very comfortable, uh, but they're cool. Yeah, I highly recommend the Suicide Squad. Um, it's just a blast. It just felt fun. Um, I think even, it's the highest. Go ahead. Even even like uh, so like a more dark scene that really stuck with me is uh, Harley's like. Mini, mini B story that she has partway through the film. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no one, no one who has, no one who's had a um a bad relationship, like like a red flag, like oh man, I learned my lesson this after this scenario in their life, and I mean, like who hasn't? Um, mm-hmm. Like you're gonna fucking relate to that shit on a whole new level. Oh shit, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it's definitely again like not the sort of thing that you would expect to see in a comedy superhero movie, um, but it's also like a really fun way to sort of jab at, but still acknowledge the previous stuff that has happened in the the DC EU or CU. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, no, it was uh Yeah, that I was not expecting that scene to play out that way and I was like, "Ooh." Yeah. Yeah, that was that was real. Well, and it was also that moment too where it pops in your head that like, "Oh, that's right. She's Dr. Harleen Quinzel. She's a she's a psychologist. She knows exactly <laughs> what Also, by the way, apparently slight spoilers her escape scene, that's all Margot Robbie. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's also fun to remember, like, that's right. Harlan Quinzel is, has a PhD in psychology and is also a gymnast. Mm -hmm. She is. Yeah. And Margot Robbie has been doing her own stunts. Yeah. Since Birds of Prey. Yeah. It's awesome. She is 100% like, that's how much she loves the character and loves being that character. I, I think it's impressive that when I see Margot Robbie, I don't see Harley Quinn until she's on screen in Harley Quinn, because that's when she brings that character out. She mm-hmm. is, it's not with, like, you don't see that in interviews. It's like, yeah, you're just, you're just an actor. Oh, yeah. nope, there it is. When, it, yeah. when, when someone says action, then she's Harley Quinn. And also, I don't people notice, so she used to have it, Harley used to have a tattoo on her face that said, like, demented or deranged or whatever. Rotten. Rotten. And apparently Margot always hated that tattoo, so Gunn's like, all right, let's just not put it on her. Gunn didn't like it either. Oh, he didn't either? Oh, okay. No, he, he talks about that in the Variety interview. Mm. There's like, no, we, we axed it. Smart. She's, I've, like, he went to bat for her and for Birds of Prey early on. Mm-hmm. I remember and, that. And he, like he said early on, it's like, I'm, a, it's like most of the stuff that he's writing for the movie, he runs past Margot. So we all recommend it. Yes. Go see it. Nice. Uh, Next week, we will be sans bean. Very likely, right? You're not going to try, are you? Almost certainly. I don't know what the connectivity is going to be like. Yeah. Well, Cable and I will be having an animation fest. Oh, man. Hang on to your butts, because we've got What If on Wednesday, we've got Lower Decks on Thursday, and we've got the last episode of... uh, the bad batch on friday so yeah when we come back oh. next week it's nothing yeah. but animation it's the full bad batch final three arc and then yeah what if lower decks i probably animation wouldn't have had a chance to watch all that stuff by then because That's all true. of it's happening during my trip so Fair. Yeah. uh big thanks to steve and cole for hanging out with us talking about That's their great. dixon paranormal detective game it's awesome yeah. a lot of fun um yeah i guess with that i'm aaron duran I'm Bainerita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Stay cool. Be your friend, Milton. (laughs) That's not my name. Be your friend, Milton. We had a whole conversation about it.